All right, we've got uh, one more segment I want to highlight. We're going to be chatting renewable energy. So we did a whole other segment on this uh, a, week or so, a week or so ago. I'm not totally sure, but we did do an energy story recently about how energy demand is dropping considerably because of the coronavirus pandemic, actually hitting an energy demand low, an all-time low for recorded energy demand history. So pretty nuts stuff happening in the energy industry. However, uh, I want to just highlight uh, even more granularly how this is impacting the different, um, I guess, uh, methods for generating electricity and generating energy in the first place. Uh, Because of the pandemic's slowing of energy demand across the board, renewable energies are actually set up to generate more electricity in the U.S. than coal for the first time ever. And this is being predicted in a new Energy Information Administration report. Uh, They're saying that as electricity demand falls and generation is also expected to drop about 5% in 2020, Coal is forecasted to dip 25% in electricity generation, which is a huge cut. On the other hand, renewable generation is set to go up 11% as they become more affordable in general and become more affordable in the context of the pandemic. And the EIA, the uh, Energy Information Administration, they're predicting that it's unlikely for fossil fuels to ever return to pre-pandemic or pre-2020 levels, even if demand and generation go back up as they are forecasted to go up about 5% in 2021. It's just not going to be the same. It's been a permanent shift downwards. So now it's just about asking the question of uh, what does that permanent shift look like and what do the energy source dynamics look like? So coal has already been in decline for a while. It's seen as environmentally harmful and unviable economically and is being replaced by natural gas in many instances. Uh, you know, companies investing in natural gas uh, infrastructure and phasing out coal, um, mostly because natural gas has been advertised as a cleaner solution. However, natural gas is also not proving to be cleaner, which we can get into in a second. But Tyler, what are your thoughts on this shift and this um, this dynamic change within the industry? Because I don't think that uh, the industry saw this shift coming. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, not within the industry, so I couldn't say for sh- for sh- bleh, for sure or for certain <laughs> for certain. Um, but <laughs> but it it just feels like this transition is so drastic and so clear that renewables are now leading energy generation that it might be a positive boom for a broader shift away from fossil fuels and toward renewables. Uh, Though I think the biggest inhibitor is going to be uh, the short-term profits of the fossil fuel companies Mm. and obviously are not just going to say, yeah, yeah, whatever, we'll go out of business, right? So (laughs) what what are your thoughts? Yeah, that has always somewhat been the barrier you always thought to, you know, more sustainable energies that just so many people made so much money in you know the fossil fuel industry right so that that was always an argument that okay yeah there won't ever be massive investment into renewables because there are too many people with a vested interest in making sure that we don't fully shift over and so that is one interesting aspect of this another is that i've always kind of wondered that 
as millennials and Gen Zers get older and have more of a consciousness towards the environment, I think just in general, more so than uh, than previous generations, like the boomers, Gen Xers, stuff like that, I, I'm, I'm, I have been curious as to what um, patterns exist in what consumers prefer. And I think that with this almost acting, the, the pandemic almost acting as a catalyst, as it will for so many changes that I think we'll see across many different industries, um, like what we've talked about uh, talked about on Wednesday, you know, changing of the office environment, more remote workers, things like that. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how this can act as a catalyst for people that already were probably more prone and interested in renewable energy to begin with, to begin making those choices as consumers, which then drives what businesses are providing and drives the availability of renewables to see kind of what takes place there with that market shift, right? Because I think I think as demand shifts and as people are increasingly interested in renewables, then that's going to force a little bit more uh, of an adjustment from energy providers. And so I, I am really interested to see how these, these factors all kind of combine at this moment in time, because this does feel like an impetus for something somewhat major to change, I think. Um, and so, so I suppose this is another situation where I, I really want to see what happens coming out of this, because I do think that this is a moment where there could be a drastic shift and a drastic change in the market. Um, I, I think that you can ask questions about um, about the infrastructure around renewables. Is it ready for a uh, an increase, a big spike in interest or uh, in um, in deployment, let's say. So, uh, so I think that there are questions to be asked there, but I do think that, that the mindset of the general public amongst especially younger adults is ready for there to be alternatives and ready to explore those alternatives. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And, um, I, you know, I really do think public perception is probably going to guide a good chunk of any substantial change. If end users, uh, you know, and I'm not saying the responsibility falls on end users to like, you know, stop using plastic straws and stuff because that's not really going to address any of the broader uh, climate goals that um, might come from shifting away from fossil fuels, uh, you know, structurally, you know, you not drinking out of a styrofoam cup is not really going to curb that uh, substantially. So... I'm not saying it's up to individuals to make the change, but I do think that if there is enough pressure put on these companies to adapt, then they will. Uh, obviously, there needs to be legislative pressure as well, but I could see there being a financial interest in divesting from dirty fuel and investing in renewable energy, and I think that could... Uh, you know, be a, a positive business opportunity for fossil fuel companies. Um, they wouldn't have to go under to support the shift, uh, but I think they'd have to be proactive and identify or be part of the conversation broadly to uh, divest away from their core resource, which sounds unlikely that they would want to do, mm -hmm. um, but I think is what is necessary if we take the climate conversation seriously. And, you know, I think natural gas is a perfect example of this. It's been advertised for a long time as a great solution to dirty coal. Uh, you know, let's use natural gas instead. It's much cleaner, easier to uh, pull out of the earth, and less harmful to the environment. 
most of those claims have been shown to be only like half true or just not true at all, uh, considering the amount of damage that fracking does to the environment and um, how much methane natural gas production creates and uh, the noxious gases that come from natural gas actually are speeding up um, climate change and, mm-hmm. and the kind of carbon, the, the, the greenhouse effect that we often point to. Um, those carbon emissions are, are brutal for the growth of that thick uh, heat-capturing ozone layer. So, uh, you know, will there be a broad wake-up moment for users or for the industry on natural gas use as a replacement for coal really not being enough if it's not motivated by a large-scale event like a pandemic or some other large economic shift that pulls mm-hmm. us away from natural gas, I have a feeling that, no, we're not going to see a broad shift away from natural gas unless there is enough pressure to do so. And I'm not sure where the pressure needs to come from nece- Excuse me, necessarily, but, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's a dynamic that has a lot of vested, powerful interests in it that... I don't think are going to want to shift unless they are really made to. I think a pandemic and huge drops in energy demand are one way to force people's hands in shifting away, uh, both consumers and the businesses providing this energy. Uh, But for the rest of the industry and the dynamics that might still be seen as problematic for um, folks concerned about how fossil fuels are affecting the climate, um, the insistence on natural gas being the answer is clearly showing it's not the answer. Mm-hmm. So maybe, yes, we're we're winning on renewable energy uh, beating out coal in that sense, but I still don't think we're, we're done. You know, the pandemic is really only uh, showing how, how much a shift is needed, but it's just such a small shift uh, considering the kind of change we need to do year over year if we actually want to meet any of those goals. Yeah, what you're describing on a on a much smaller scale reminds me of um, of someone I did a bunch of podcasts with here at Market Scale, a company called Havelock Wool that made wool insulation for homes. So instead of using fiberglass and some of the other insulations. Um, you know, up in the attic or in the walls of a house, they used natural wool that came from sheep in New Zealand. And so I thought that was particularly fascinating. I did a lot of podcasts with uh, their founder. And one of his big things was that, yes, I am a B2B company. I am selling this product to contractors, to architects, to home designers, home builders. But I'm also trying to educate the public using these podcasts at the same time about the benefits of using a natural recurring, you know, uh, a naturally reproducing uh, type element that can be used for this product because it's cleaner. It doesn't have a bunch of chemicals in it. So it's better for you. It's better for the environment. It's better for everybody. And he said, you know, but I have to drive demand through you know, the people who are buying homes, the people who are renovating homes before I can really get contractors, home builders, architects, home designers on board with this. There has to be that demand first. And so I th- I almost think this is on a much larger scale, a similar thing where there has to be that demand before you really see a large scale pivot in that direction that has to come from people saying, I want other options and kind of demanding that on some level and maybe even going through some, uh, some kind of, 
I don't, I don't know exactly how to put this being willing to be a little bit uncomfortable to, you know, and getting outside of your comfort zone in order to demand the kind of change that you want to see in this industry. Totally agree, man. Okay. I think that does it for today's episode of business casual and for that segment as well, Tyler, (laughs) any final thoughts for our audience out there? Everyone have a safe, enjoyable weekend. Uh, stay healthy, be smart about what you're doing and business is rolling on. We're still doing business casual. So uh, tune in every Wednesday and Friday, and that's all I got. Love it. Love it. I'm on board with that. Tyler Kern, thanks again for joining us on another episode of Business Casual. And folks, I'm your other host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Thanks for listening along, and we'll be back Wednesday, 9 a.m. Central. Stay tuned. Sooner than later, we will be adding a video element to the show. I'm looking forward to what that might look like. Not given any hints on when that's coming, but... If you're interested, well, guess what? We're giving it to you. So looking forward to that. And again, we'll catch you Wednesday, 9 a.m. Central. Peace. This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B2B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries.